Up next at 6, it's JR Morning with Guy Gordon, Jamie Edmonds, and Lloyd Jackson. This is First Thing with Mike Parsons and Renee Vitale. Just an absolutely incredible story out of Inkster. Have you seen this, Renee? Yeah, I woke up to it. A woman who's been missing since 2017. She was found alive in an Inkster uh, motel. She called her stepmom saying that she was being held against her will at this motel in Inkster. The stepmom called the Michigan State Police. Kudos to the Michigan State Police. They went right over there. They they, They busted down the door and they found the young woman took her to the hospital, reunited her with her family. Yeah, and, the, and it sounds like in the room there was a lot of bad things. There were drugs, there were weapons, there was random cell phones, yep. lots of money. Yeah, and uh, the story the, the story credits uh, the second district SIS detectives. I don't know what SIS stands for, but it's being it's also being investigated by the Human Trafficking Division, but... Lieutenant Mike Shaw, I just saw him on, on on Local 4 from the Michigan State Police, and he said that's still being investigated. I think it looks that way, but he said they don't have any confirmation right now. She could have been somebody who left on her own and decided sure. to come home, and she could have, or she could have been a human trafficking victim. They got to look at it from all angles. Oh, yeah. You, uh, you never assume anything when right. you're investigating. Um, but. Every now and then, especially when a big event comes to town, there's always that story about yeah. how Detroit is a hotbed of, of human trafficking. Well, it's because the border is right here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, even in the summer with the boats, people don't realize that's a big deal with boaters, too. Yeah. And so, I mean, I, I believe there was a human trafficking ring that was busted on the east side last December. And it, it's just one of those things where it's it's right under our nose and, and, and we have no idea. Yeah. So it's always best to be vigilant, as they say, if you see something, say something. But great job by this young woman. Great job by her stepmother. Uh, and great job by the Michigan State Police. And um, just had to have been absolutely terrifying for this woman, not only being missing since 2017, but after she called her stepmother, waiting seeing if her stepmother was able to get through the police and if the police would come because you always hear these close call stories about how someone called for help and either their 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 abductor came back and did something terrible to him before the police could get there and that does not seem to be the case thank you keith morrison for a dateline special yeah i think we're going to be hearing a lot more about right. this uh so yesterday a Something happened in Gaza that President Biden said could severely jeopardize this hostage deal that looked like it was close to happening. And rightfully so. More than 100 Palestinians were killed, hundreds wounded on Thursday when Israeli troops opened fire on people that were just waiting for food in Gaza City, pushing the Palestinian death toll above 30,000 since the war began. Israeli authorities released aerial footage of crowds swarming arriving aid trucks and placed blame on the crush of the crowd and Palestinian truck drivers and said that fewer than 10 of the casualties were a result of Israeli gunfire. Hamas issued a 
statement saying Israeli forces indifferent to the consequences of its terrorist actions due to the cover and complicity of the administration of U.S. President Biden targeted a gathering of thousands of citizens awaiting food and aid in Gaza City. The Palestinian Foreign Affairs Ministry condemned the latest massacre and called for an immediate ceasefire to protect civilians. President Joe Biden was asked by reporters whether the tragedy in Gaza would hamper talks aimed at a ceasefire and the release of hostages, and he said, I know it will. Biden, who has said this week a deal could be reached by Monday, acknowledged that that time frame has changed. Yeah, and uh, the Israeli forces said that they opened fire because they felt threatened by the group of people approaching uh, the aid trucks. But to open fire on them with tanks, with drones, I'm going to wait till an investigation happens, but the investigation may never happen. And this this could be a turning point when it comes to the support that Israel the government receives from its allies. I think everyone's in agreement that Israel does have the right to defend itself. They do have the right to go after Hamas for what happened on October 7th, but it's hard to reconcile the the images and, and the number of civilians who've gotten caught up in this. This was absolutely dirty. Yeah, and um, look, I, I, and here's the thing. I mean, hostages' families, they're marching across Israel to demonstrate in front of Netanyahu's home because they don't think his priority is bringing their loved ones home. Uh, a ceasefire hostage deal seemed like it was within reach, and the Israeli army opened fire on hundreds of people desperate for food, and, and now the deal seems as far away as, as ever. So I don't think he knows what his priorities are. I think that at this point, he's just shooting guns in the moonlight and seeing what he's going to, you know, he has no plan, Yeah, and he's not taking any direction or suggestions from anyone that's trying to help this situation. Well, the United States and, and Israel's allies in the region have have implored the Israeli government to stop with the the, the broad attacks and, and to be a little more precise with their strikes because hey. um you know is 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 flattening a hospital because you think that there is a command center underneath that has yet to be found. Is that self defense? Is shooting into hundreds of civilians just trying to to desperately get food and aid is that self-defense blindly shooting and going off of assumptions yeah yeah i mean i I think what you have to do is you have to say okay what what is them defending themselves and what is them actually looking to go after hamas and what is just uh what what's over the line very sloppy yeah and so so we'll we'll see what happens here but um it, it seems like the united states and Israel have been at odds for a while. There's been um, there's been these talks about how Netanyahu and Biden, there's tension between them because Biden doesn't agree with how they're handling this. And uh, and, and and we'll see what comes of this. But it's probably just going to escalate tensions. Uh, President Biden and former President Trump, they made dueling visits to the southern border yesterday with Donald Trump going to Eagle Pass, Texas and Biden visiting Brownsville, Texas, 300 miles away. President Biden took to the podium blaming Republicans for voting down a Senate immigration bill that would have sent billions to the border and reformed the asylum system. Former President Trump, he blasted Biden's border policy, saying the reason we are seeing record numbers of undocumented migrants coming across the border legally is because Biden reversed the policies he put in place when he was president. But mostly it just kind of seemed like a photo op for both candidates. This is on the same day. A federal judge in Austin struck down a law that allows state law enforcement agencies to arrest migrants. They believe are entering the country illegally, saying that it would put a strain 
and overcrowd the jail system in the state. And by the way, those wildfires in the Texas panhandle, they're now burning over a million acres. Oh and it's the biggest wildfire in Texas history. And, and there's two dead now, and it's spread to Oklahoma. Jeez, think how big that is, a million acres. Yeah, and it's, it's less than 5% contained, and it kind of makes you wonder, are we going to see a similar situation in Texas that we saw in Canada last right? summer? Right, that's immediately what I was thinking of. Yeah. Yep. So it, it looks like we are getting even more clarity on the state GOP convention situation here. Yeah, the ousted former leader in the Michigan Republican Party lost a key court ruling Thursday in her effort to regain the top post. The Michigan Court of Appeals said that it won't suspend a lower court's order affirming Christina Caramo's removal by party members. Caramo was hoping that a stay would clear the way for her to lead a meeting Saturday in Detroit to select presidential delegates for the party's national convention. Caramo lawyer said that this is an intraparty dispute that should be resolved through the political process, not court intervention. Which it has. Right. <laughs> I mean, her party <laughs> voted her out. So you're using that defense. <laughs> so you're out here either we are. way. Uh, just about a month after launching an exploratory committee, former Congresswoman Justin Amash from the west side of the state announced that he is running for Debbie Stabenow's soon to be vacant Senate seat as a Republican. Amash left the Republican Party in 2019. He was independent for a while. Then um, he joined the Libertarian Party in 2020, and he chose not to run for re-election in 2021. Uh, Amash voted with Democrats to impeach Donald Trump after the January 6th attack on the Capitol. And Oakland County Judge Cheryl Matthews ruled yesterday that the prosecution in the James Crumbly manslaughter case may call one of the two students shot during the Oxford High School shooting as witnesses that prosecution wanted to be able to call as new witnesses for James Crumbly, the father of the Oxford High School shooters trial, because uh, it might be too traumatizing for some witnesses Mm -hmm. who testified in Mother Jennifer Crumbly's trial to take the witness stand twice. And here we go again Monday. That starts, right? (sighs) Yeah. Um, And uh, yeah, and I think we're going to be rehashing a lot of stuff that we'd rather not hear again but but again you know if 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 it's tough for us to listen to again just imagine the people who are having to live through right. it what they're going through so um and, and we'll see if there's a different verdict we'll see the different ways the, the pros- different angle yeah that the prosecution uh, approaches this we'll see the different ways that crum uh, that James Crumbly's defense team handles this and um i think it was like a two week trial last time so um so, again, it, 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 it will be precedent-setting. It won't be quite as precedent-setting as Jennifer Cromley's trial, but uh, I'm sure all eyes of the legal world will be on that trial, just like Jennifer's. It's first thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale, WJR. And we're heading into the Friday morning edition of JR Morning. Jamie's off. We've got Guy Gordon, Lloyd Jackson. Don't want- sound so excited. Guy Gordon and Lloyd Jackson. Hey now. Jamie's gone, so Guy Gordon and Lloyd Jackson. So so we're stuck with these two. Um, I got to ask you guys, where were you on March 17th, 2023? Were you buying lottery tickets at the CVS on 10 Mile in Southfield? No, and I know exactly where that is. Uh And I bought lottery tickets, but I don't buy them from that store well no it wasn't me i'm not a lottery guy no my my wife when you know the jackpot gets somewhere near the federal debt will buy (laughs) uh lottery tickets but not me you know we were talking about it i like i like scratch offs it's not anything i'd buy for myself 
But if I if someone gifts me one, it's it's like a little thrill for five minutes. Yeah, nice but, gifts. But other than that, I won't spend my own money on it. Well, that, that was I the can, gift. I can suggest some other thrills that last longer, Mike. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, we got time. <laughs> it's a family show. It's a family show. <laughs> so <laughs> there was a million-dollar lottery ticket sold at that CVS in Southfield on 10 Mile. Mm-hmm. Um, the winning lottos, the, the, the winning numbers are 26, 28, 29, 39, and 49. The problem is... Are you auditioning for Channel 4? I know. It's like we've got Aggie Sedley here. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. God rest her soul. That's right. Underwood. It's oh. that, is that one of the thrills you were talking about, guy, that is reading was, lottery numbers? <laughs> uh, the problem is uh, nobody's come, come forward, and time is running out. Um, they have until March 15th, because March 17th is is a Sunday, to come forward or that money goes back to the schools. And I'm thinking that there's no way someone has a year-old lottery ticket. If they if they haven't come forward by now, schools enjoy enjoy that new slide on the p- playground and that new tuba because uh, there's no way that somebody has been holding on to this lottery how ticket m- for a year. How much is it worth? A million dollars. A million dollars. Well, no. A few years know. ago, there were times when I could find Skittles at least that old under, <laughs> yeah, you know, right. and underneath Listen, some car seats. It's either lost. Or in somebody's purse, or in somebody's inside coat pocket, or you know, when they got some change, they they got a ticket and they stuck it in the purse, and they haven't worn it, you know, taking that purse with them in years, and they'll find oh, it. That's on a bummer. The I got it right, exactly. <laughs> how, how often do you put on a jacket that you haven't worn in a few months? And you say, oh, there are the sunglasses oh, I was yeah. looking for. Absolutely. You know what? Yes. That's one of my favorite things about the changing of the seasons. I love to go through the pockets and see what I left in there. Normally, it's like old receipts, but every now and then you'll find a dollar or something. See, oh, yeah. yet another joy. <laughs> I got to start writing these down. It's about See, finding the little joys. You find a dollar and somebody else could find that lottery ticket. And, and they're then, not going to be joyful. No, yeah. they won't be. Not unless they do it before the 15th. Yeah, I, I hope they do because, I mean, what what a kick in the teeth. And, and I hope even if this person doesn't come forward, I hope the store at least gets the bonus. I don't know if that gets canceled out or not. But. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know because, yeah, you, they usually do get a bonus if you have a winner. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. Uh, now, Renee, you found an interesting study. I am strictly the messenger here. Um, but this new study found that men are more likely than women to, quote, let themselves go and gain weight as soon as they get hitched. No comment. No, <laughs> no freaking comment. Who said that? I, I, I think your no comment is a comment unto itself. Yeah, it a, show me the upside. <laughs> show me the upside to discussing this. If I agree with it, then I'm saying that I've turned into an indifferent, apathetic husband who doesn't really want to keep himself nice for his wife. And if I dispute it, then I'm saying that my wife is the one that let her. Tell me where the upside is. Is flirting with divorce one of the thrills you were talking about? (laughs) Here's the secret, okay? I let myself go long before marriage, so when it happened after marriage, it wasn't wasn't a big shot. Yeah, quite a... I will tell you this. It was my divorce from television and my marriage to radio that made me let myself go. Yeah. Oh, you're still TV ready. Yeah. yeah. Just, if you got that jowl removing software, uh, yeah. I think Guy has been traumatized by consultants through his 30 years of TV because honestly, and maybe it's because I see him every day, 
Guy looks exactly the same to me now as he did when he was on TV. You know, it's funny you should say that. Devin Skillian had a great line years ago. He goes, "There's our, there are carpenter ants, there are fire ants, and then they're the worst kind of all, consult ants. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and he would know. He's been around for a while. Yeah. All right, well, we'll see what other kind of trouble we can get Guy in with people in his life. JR Morning uh, coming up. President Joe Biden says the United States is looking into why Israeli troops fired on a large group of Palestinians who were pulling food off a convoy of trucks, bringing aid into Gaza City, killing more than 100 people with hundreds more injured in the stampede away from the uh, drone and tank fire. Israeli officials acknowledged that they opened fire on the crowd, saying they were approached in a threatening way. The United States, along with his allies in the region, were hoping to reach a ceasefire hostage swap deal this week, lasting six weeks through Ramadan. Uh, but when President Biden was asked if the loss of life would complicate those negotiations, he answered, I know it will. President Biden and former President Trump both made dueling visits to the southern border yesterday. The The word of the day yesterday, Renee, was split screen. I can't I can't <laughs> count how many times I heard people say split screen, split screen. Um, Donald Trump, he went to Eagle Pass. Biden went to Brownsville, Texas, 300 miles away. Uh, President Biden took to the podium blaming Republicans for voting down a Senate immigration bill that would have sent billions to the border and reform the asylum system. Former President Trump blasted Biden's policies and the fact that he reversed many of Trump's own policies that were put in place when he was president for the record number of migrants coming across the border. This is on the same day a federal judge in Austin struck down a law that allows state law enforcement agencies to arrest migrants they believe are entering the country illegally, saying it would strain and overcrowd the jail system. And by the way, those wildfires in Texas uh, they're now burning over a million acres. Jeez. It's currently the biggest wildfire in Texas history. Two are dead, and it's now spreading to Oklahoma. So it's getting worse over there. Oakland County Judge Cheryl Matthews ruled yesterday that the prosecution in the James Crumbly manslaughter case may call one of the two witnesses um, that they wanted to bring, uh, who were students shot during the Oxford High School shooting, to the witness stand. Prosecution wanted to be able to call new witnesses for James Crumbly, father of Oxford High School shooters, um, trial because it may be too traumatizing for some witnesses who testified in Mother Jennifer Crumley's trial to take the witness stand. Let's let's do a little palate cleanser for some good news, Renee, because uh, it's it's been a bit heavy this morning and it's Friday. I, I like that. Please, the let's fr- lighten it up. It's the freaking weekend, baby. I'm about to have me some fun. Um, <laughs> okay, R. Kelly. <laughs> probably isn't the best person to quote now. That I think about it. Um, Aries. The four-year-old pit bull lab mix was in a car accident with her owner or his owner. Aries could be a boy or girl's name. Um, and Clawson. Yeah. Right. What What are this dog's pronouns? I don't know. Um, they got into a car accident in Clawson last weekend when Aries took off running. Now, Aries' owner, Melissa Fickle, the woman in the car, she thought she had lost her dog on top of being in a car accident. Uh. But Aries ran a mile away to his doggy day- daycare in Troy looking for help. Oh, my God. A mile away. How does this dog know where to go? I know. Isn't that amazing? I get lost a mile from my house. <laughs> right. Unbelievable. I'd be out of breath and just go to that uh, restaurant with the giant chicken on top of it in Clawson. <laughs> I forgot the name of it. But Travis Ogden, owner of Hound Town, 
in Troy recognized Aries on the security footage called Fickle to reunite the two. But yes, what uh, wow. what an what an amazing good boy or girl. He gets all the treats. Yeah, for real. And the uh, the. Uh, 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 the, the, he recognized they they recognized him on like the the ring doorbell, and the video was sent to the news organizations. And the fact that this is a happy ending makes the video adorable. If if there wasn't, it'd be heartbreaking because sure. you saw you saw Aries like running up and down all the windows, oh. like pawing and oh, jumping. Oh, please, somebody let me in, help! And they did. So so good no. boy and or good girls, Aries. And uh, real quick. Um, Donald Trump, there is another state trying to keep him off the ballot. Yeah, an Illinois ruling barring him from the state's ballot on the grounds of the 14th Amendment Insurrection Clause. So the ruling on Wednesday, which Cook County Circuit Judge Tracy Porter immediately put on hold in anticipation. In uh, anticipation, boy, yes. words. This is Illinois, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, came as the Supreme Court weighs a similar argument in Colorado to keep Trump off the ballot over his involvement in the January 6th Capitol riot. A notice of appeal dated Wednesday asked the appeals court to reverse and vacate the judgment. Trump's lawyer also filed a separate court filing asking the judge to clarify the length of the stay in place or to simply enter an order staying uh, the judgment pending resolution of this case. Seems like over the past year, artificial intelligence has exploded onto the scene, becoming easier to use and much more user friendly to anyone, really, from fake robocalls using President Biden's voice going out to voters in New Hampshire on primary day to fake explicit photos of Taylor Swift being posted on social media. So what kind of safeguards are in place to protect people who may not have the platform and means of the world's biggest pop star to defend themselves against the pitfalls of artificial intelligence? Penelope Cernoglu, Democrat state rep from the 75th District, has authored a number of bills regarding misinformation and AI, and she's on the other end of our line this morning. Good morning, Representative. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. So uh, according to Axios, you've been working on a bill uh, addressing AI-generated pornography. What would that bill protect against? So um, this is going to protect against um, expl- any explicit images um, that are deep fakes. So if someone's making an explicit image that you know, looks like someone that it's not, um, that will become, um, you know, that'll become a criminal um, offense um, as well as uh, creating a cause of action for that person uh, to collect damages against whoever is creating that image and um, putting it out there. So what would the, the penalties be for somebody who is, is caught making AI-generated um, explicit images? Sure. So so we haven't introduced it yet, so that is not um, completely settled yet. But what we're looking at now um, is that it would start at a misdemeanor. And then um, if there was, you know, some other, you know, circumstance, making it uh, especially um, aggressive or uh, causing, you know, more more specific damages, um, then it could be um, greater than that. But uh, initially, a, a misdemeanor would be what we're looking at. Was there a specific uh, incident or, or situation that, that happened somewhere in the news or otherwise that was kind of your light bulb mo- moment? Or is this just something that you saw as a potential problem coming down the pike and decided to get out in front of it? Yeah, 
it was it was definitely um, just something um, I wanted to get out in front of um, after working on the um, the bills with uh, deep fakes in, in elections. Um, I learned a lot more about um, deep fakes in general and um, AI and different uses of AI, and uh, you know learned that this was something that was becoming problematic as well. Um, so just wanted to get out get out in front of it. Um, and then, then we did have the Taylor Swift yes. um, incident, which um, really, you know, brought it to light for, uh, you know, pretty much the whole nation. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, but that was coincidental. Yeah, I believe you've actually been working on this before, before that <laughs> happened, right? Yes. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's so scary because, you know, AI, it's still kind of rough, but it's only going to get better and better. And, and eventually you'll be able to generate lifelike images of, of anyone saying or doing anything. And, and, and it could, uh, you know, ruin a reputation and, and God knows what else. Absolutely. It's, it's becoming easier and easier. Um, and yeah, it, it's coming to the point where you don't really need any specialized skill. Um, just anyone who has access to the internet and learns how to, you know, use a few basic uh, tools on various websites. Now, you mentioned um, some deep fake campaign legislation that you worked on, and I believe that bill was introduced uh, this past fall. Uh, what's in those bills and what's the status of them? Uh, so those are now um, law. They were uh, the package that package passed um, into law um, at the end of the year last year. And um, so it is currently uh, required that if you are going to um, create uh, a deep fake uh, political advertisement um, or a deep fake of, you know, dealing with uh, candidates or election issues that you have to disclose um, if it's AI generated and you also have to disclose the fact that it's materially deceptive. Um, and you have to, there's various requirements on the disclosure. Um, for example, if it's audio, it has to be, um, you know, audio. And if it's video, you have to have both, um, you know, written and um, audio to just to make sure that it's not one of those things where right. where you can put it in teeny tiny print and nobody sees it. Um, so right. yeah, those are, those are in place right now. Right. Like the terms and conditions on, uh, on everything you do online. So was, yeah. was the fact that we, we are now in an election year, did that, add to the urgency of getting these bills introduced and passed? Oh, absolutely. We wanted to um, do that last year um, so that coming into this um, very important election cycle, uh, voters would not uh, be misinformed uh, by this type of uh, false uh, media. Um, Have you received any pushback on, on either two of these proposals? Um, not at not at this point. Uh, I mean, you know, there you know, there's always questions and yeah. uh, changes. You know, as we go through the process. So uh, last year when we were working on the political deep fakes, there were you know a lot of different changes um, based on feedback. But yeah, not not really receiving uh, you know a, a lot of pushback. Just uh, you know, just feedback on how we can make them best work best because um, this is a fairly new um, area for everyone. And um, going back to your anti-AI pornography bill, um, when can we expect some movement on that? 
Uh, well, I, I expect to introduce it within the next uh, two weeks, and then we'll we'll go from there. Well, I, I'm glad you're doing something about AI now when it's when it's still new instead of waiting a couple of decades to get a handle of it, like like we kind of did with the entire Internet. Uh, State Representative yeah. Penelope Cernoglu, Democrat from the 75th District. Good luck with this legislation, and thank you for being on with me. Thank you. Have a good day. It's for, it's first thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale, WJR. Well, things have become more perilous over in the Middle East. Eyewitness reports accuse the Israeli military of opening fire on Palestinians surrounding a truck transporting food and humanitarian aid in Gaza yesterday, killing 100 people. President Biden says that these deaths deaths will complicate negotiations for a ceasefire and release of hostages that he was hoping to be put in place by next week. Lieutenant Colonel Danny Davis, senior fellow and military expert at Defense Priorities, is on JR Afternoon with Chris Renwick. All right, so as we parse through reports of over 100 people dead in Gaza City, the Palestinian Health Ministry says that those people died as they were waiting for food and water and other humanitarian aid inside Gaza City. Uh, Israel's military saying that there were shots fired, but only to people who seemed to present some sort of threat. Uh, otherwise, a majority of people were either killed or hurt in a stampede in in a in a in a huge crowd of people uh, as they were trying to gain that aid that humanitarian aid from those convoy trucks i would have to imagine as this is under investigation by the idf this is going to throw a monkey wrench into into these ongoing negotiations uh, that are being done in places like cutter between the the israelis and and Hamas, uh, partly being uh, helped out and mediated by the United States, places like Qatar and Egypt, also in the mix. What 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 type of problems could arise because of this particular deadly incident? Uh, Danny Davis, uh, of course, you've heard him here on this show a number of times. Lieutenant Colonel, uh, retired Lieutenant Colonel at Defense Priorities, and host of Daniel Davis Deep Dive on YouTube. Uh, he joins us once again. Danny, it's great to have you back. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. This situation seems like it's it is one where, uh, if you read it, uh, kind of read the tea leaves on the outside, people trying to gain aid and and potentially mowed down by gunfire. Uh, how is this going to impact these ceasefire negotiations that are ongoing? Well, look, I mean, that, even before we're worried about what kind of monkey wrench it may throw into, we just need to look at the substance of what's going on here. The reason why that there was all this problem in a stampede, if you've seen any of the video, the some of which I've seen posted on the Washington Post this afternoon, uh, it literally looks like ants just swarming mm -hmm. these trucks because these people have been there, the thousands of them have been waiting in this location for the previous night because they are literally starving to death. And there's many aid agencies that are worrying about this. Uh, and so when that food came in, their lives are literally on the, on the stake. So there's no order. There's just every man for themselves. And then, of course, now that you add in some gunfire, then it doesn't take much to understand how there's going to be a stampede and that kind of chaos. But, the, you know, the real question is, 
why are they starving? Why are, is food not getting in there? Aside from, you know, issues related to the negotiations, and, of course, everybody wants the, the ceasefire to happen so that the hostages can get released. But, look, we ought to care as much about the Palestinian people who are dying sure. in large numbers all the time. That's, that's, I think, the bigger issue. And and how big, I mean, I know the United States and even uh, President Biden has said recently that, that the United States may start airdropping uh, uh, aid in. What is the, the, the situation there? I mean, th- there is no escape, certainly for Palestinians in Gaza. Uh, they are being forced uh, to all different uh, quadrants and segments of, of the Strip, uh, particularly down south. What is the, the, the current situation in the in the Strip and for people who... Who are who are pinned in there? Yeah, you see that, that Netanyahu is continuing to be emphatic that negotiations are no negotiations. He's still planning on uh, launching an offensive into Rafah, in the the last major stronghold in the south, right next to the Egyptian border. And he keeps telling everybody, "Well, you can go north. You can go to areas we've already cleared, but there's no path for that. There's no food already. There's about three hundred thousand Palestinians in the northern part of the Gaza City area that are are on the brink of starting to starve to death because they can't get any food up that far. Uh, so you see everywhere you want to look, there's problems. Yeah, I don't know if you saw, but uh, earlier this morning uh, in testimony on Capitol Hill, Secretary of Defense Austin uh, said that there had been 25,000 women and children alone had been killed so far in this. And that's a shocking number by itself. And so there's got to be more pressure than just President Biden saying, hey, I'm going to airdrop some food in there. More firm action has to be taken to stop this catastrophe before it turns into an all-out debacle. So, w- w- what is the answer? I mean, what is that? What is the solution here? Because we've heard politicians <laughs> say, "Well, we need a solution," but w- but what does that look yeah. like? I'll tell you flat out that the solution is right now an immediate ceasefire and a prioritization of the individual, of the Palestinian people who are on the brink of starving to death in large numbers. That's absolutely step one, period, full stop. Because if you don't do that, if you want to try to make these negotiations and other things, which all take a lot of time, if that has to precede that, then you're condemning even more people to unnecessary death. So that has to happen first. Once you can get the, the fighting stopped and the killing stopped, and large amounts of aid in to support these people, now then you can do the longer work to get the negotiated settlements and all kinds of other things done. All that takes a lot of time, but the first step is absolutely stop the fighting. There was also, uh, I, I saw a story that there is potentially underway, I, I believe they're meeting in Russia, as a matter of fact, uh, uh, factions of of Palestinians and, and I believe even uh, representatives of Hamas uh, are meeting to try to form some sort of of group that would be able to govern inside Gaza if if Hamas is taken out or removed. What what a, a type of change would that represent in the Gaza Strip if if true Palestinians were in charge as opposed to you know a, a group of terrorists? Well, see, that's part of the problem that Netanyahu is creating in that he's saying he will not allow. You know, Hamas under any name to continue to administratively rule in Gaza Strip. He won't allow the Palestinian Authority, and there is no other entities, and he's doing nothing to create one. So he's creating a situation where the only option is an Israeli military uh, occupation and administration. And, and of course, that won't be seen as as, uh, uh, viable in the 
eyes of the Palestinian people so that you've got to find someone new that the Palestinian people support and endorse even for an interim government. And, and unfortunately, I, I mean, you know, Russia is trying to do this, but you know, who's, who in the West is going to pay any attention to what Russia says? So I don't know that there's a lot of fruit to be had there, but somebody's going to have to. If Israel wants any possibility of, of a peace and, and coexistence within the Palestinian thrift once the fighting does end. What's the, the, the sentiment, do you feel, against Bibi inside Israel? Um, because it's it's easy to to say in wartime, generally, your your the leaders of your country are are backed, right? But I, but I think there is some sense that that Netanyahu may be heavy handed here. What's the what, what's the reaction inside Israel uh, yeah. on the direction of Benjamin Netanyahu? There's a, there's an interesting dynamic at play here. It doesn't get any coverage, and I would say not much. But I haven't seen any coverage in Western media, especially in the U.S that there are large-scale protests going on inside Tel Aviv, inside of Israel, against Netanyahu. They, they, they suppress that news, but it's out there all the time because there's a significant portion of the people that are against this war. They want it to end. They want to get their hostages back. They want that prioritized instead of conquering territory, whatever. But then there's also an even bigger block of the Israeli society that's totally good with what Netanyahu's doing. That's why they were elected in the first place. And they're saying, yeah, keep going. Don't stop. Uh, and they're fine with the casualty count, frankly. Uh, so that keeps Netanyahu afloat. And so there's, when the war is over, I think by all accounts, politically, Netanyahu will definitely be uh, removed from power. But until that time, it appears that he has enough domestic support on him, from his side and his political uh, parties to keep him in power uh, however long the war keeps going. I, I've, I've actually talked to some experts recently, and they said they, uh, even though he's unpopular among many, even on his side, they're not going to take any action to remove him until the situation is solved on the ground, or at least according to their, their hopes. 